Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Two, 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 two. Did you, America? Hello, welcome to another edition of Did You America? He's Jeremy, I'm Ian Canfield. This is season two, episode... Uh, orange. You can decide for yourself if you can be bothered to count, because all of the previous episodes live at didyouamerica.com. We still haven't hired that counter, huh? No, or someone to Joe Rogan Spotify us and say, okay, there were, let's say, for argument's sake, 50. I think we need to get that down to about 35 to at least get it into (laughs) somewhat comfortable territory whereby we might not be cancelled. Oh, if they're worrying about us getting cancelled, there's going to be no more episodes (laughs) of Did You America? (laughs) Well, you know... It's hard work because the goalposts keep shifting. That's always my defense, <laughs> right? right? Whatever was uh, just about acceptable when we started this in October of 2020, I don't know if it's still acceptable in May of 2021. I tell you all the time, I'm trying to be the first person to get canceled before even getting started. So uh, so uh, here we go. Uh, let's kick off with... Um, Some listener feedback. Brian sent me a message, uh, almost out of concern. Now, normally we talk about specifically America things, because although I'm a Brit, that's Shitsville, and I'm America's biggest fan. But I will deal with this briefly just for Brian, because just as a question, it amused me. And then when I I kind of knew what was going on, but wasn't paying interest. And then when I Googled this topic, it kind of made me even more interested in it. Brian wants to know, is the UK at war with France? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Are they? (laughs) So I think this was kind of headline news in the UK last week. The headlines have since been replaced by some local election and London mayor results that they had, which is a great shame because some of the headlines and the photos, if you can uh, go back to, I think you need to go back to like Tuesday or Wednesday of last week regarding this situation. It is quite fantastic. So here's the situation as I understand it, right? The UK voted for Brexit about a billion years ago, right? Even though America only concerns its... Are you Googling Brexit because you don't know what it is? You no, lo- no, no, I, no. I was, I, I was, I was <laughs> thinking of a thought I wanted to write it down. I was literally just about to say, even though America only concerns itself with America, even America knows what Brexit was, and I saw your, your little <laughs> fingers going to the keyboard, and I thought, oh my God, he's Googling Brexit. I might have Googled Brexit. Brexit, that news... Did you mean to say breakfast? England is upset over breakfast. I got it. I thought, oh, maybe I wanted pancakes. Maybe the Brexit news didn't reach Texas. Right. So a billion years ago, well, five years ago, right? A billion. um, The UK voted for Brexit. So they were going to exit the European Union and be independent, right? It was a British exit. Being the UK, because they can't get anything done, five years later, they're still sort of in the process. And there's been so much rigmarole over it. And um, as I understand it, they're now having a massive dispute about who can fish for which fish in what water. 
because the geography is you've got the North Sea between the uh, the English coastline and the Fre- the French coastline, right? Right. And uh, people go out in fishing boats, and there's international waters and different territories. So basically, at some point last week, there was a big standoff between English fishermen and French fishermen. And <laughs> this is basically like Pirates of the Caribbean in modern times. It's Pirates of the Caribbean if Monty Python got back together and did a sketch about this. <laughs> like every every photo that I saw from the standoff, look, it looked as if Monty Python were doing a, a one of their movies about Brexit. Right. Right. So you've got a bunch of uh, sailboats that are having a kind of standoff going, don't you move any further into our water and start fishing for our salmon. Or as one of my friends in Shitsville put it, and you'll like this because it's a term that the that the Brits use that you don't use here in a proper country. It's a dispute about fish fingers. <laughs> are those like chicken fingers? You call them fish sticks here, uh, right? Fish sticks, yes. So, and the point at which, so imagine this bunch of, and they're all like, in the UK, they call them old geezers, like old blokes who do fishing and yeah. stuff, having a standoff on their boats, right? Apparently, I didn't know this, there's an island off of the UK called Jersey, which is part of the UK, but it's a, a little island. Like, is that where New Jersey comes from? The Bon Jovi album? Well, the, the whole <laughs> state and the Bon Jovi album. I don't know. That's an interesting question. I don't know. But the Jersey is basically just a little bit of the UK, but it's just out to sea. So you have to take a small little boat to go out there, okay. right? It's And they're kind of like, there's people go there for tax dodges. There's kind of, but it's, it's, a, it's a, small, a small little island. Oh, really? Just in case. You never know. Right, okay. Um, I've never been there. I'm way more familiar with New Jersey, the Bon Jovi album, than I am <laughs> Jersey, the island off the coast of, uh, of, of, of the UK, right? But somehow, France provides power to Jersey. I don't know how it got divided up this Old way. Old Jersey. Old Jersey. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no issue between John Bon Jovi and the French currently. I just figured if we're on our own grid, maybe they're getting their grid from France. I don't know. <laughs> if France are going, until this fishing dispute is resolved, you are never going to play Living on a Prayer again because we're going <laughs> to cut your power. That is not an option, sir. You are halfway there and you need to stay right where you are because if you come into our territory, that's a Living on a Prayer joke. Did you get that? I got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe it wasn't that funny. Um, so anyway, France... Th- apparently said to Jersey, we're switch off your power. Like this is part of right. So then that made the people on the, on the, on the fishing boats get even more aggravated. So the French are having a standoff going, don't you come any closer and start fishing in our waters. And the British fishermen are going, no, 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 no. We should be able to fish in those waters. And the French are going, no, you can't because you're no longer part of the European union. Oh, and by the way, we'll cut the power to Jersey. And my favorite bit, because the, I think the thing going back to Brian's original question as to is the UK at war with France, it comes from one amazing picture which was taken at sea with these boats kind of having a standoff. But there's all of this smoke in the air, therefore making it a sort of war-like setting. It looked like a painting. Well, and that is because, see, I did some detailed investigation on this. That is because in the most, how can I describe it? It, 
it's and obviously I wasn't there, but it seems to me that all of these like old geezers that are the British fishermen were being very British about this in a sort of like just kind of saying they're going to blah blah kind of way. <laughs> Definition of being British. Blah blah. We want our salmon back. Blah blah. <laughs> And to add to the uh, and and the point, and I think they might have just stood maintained the bra bra until someone said to them, "Hey, have you heard the French are threatening to cut off the power to Jersey, Old Jersey?" And at that point, someone from one of the ships fired a musket. Oh, of course, of course they did. <laughs> Why not an AK? Because that's not bra, bra, is it? A musket Probably had like a knife attached to a the musket's end. more proper. So, uh, Brian, no, I don't believe we're at war with France. Uh, we are in, a, as I said, Monty Python's take on Brexit is the way that I would describe it. I don't know. I think that this is going to turn into a full-blown war, and I don't want to freak you out. You know, I know you hate on England quite a bit on this podcast, but you know, you still do have family there. I'm sure deep down you have some love for it, but the last time England started telling people where they can and can't fish, you know what happened? An American revolution, sir. So watch out for France. We can all agree France is terrible. Freedom fries for life, but... I don't know, man. You should probably watch out and call your family. I right? was, uh, yeah, I should call my dad and go, you better get your musket out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking, uh, I do think that, because it was the big news over there, that they were probably 48 hours away from adopting Freedom Fries. Like, they would have, like, taken that thing that, when was that in the States? I like, mid-2000s, yeah. like, shortly after that. Um, so... Yeah, um, but then they had uh, local elections and re-elected the mayor of London, and everyone seemed to forget about it. So but we were—they were, I reckon, about forty-eight hours away. Because it seems to me the three stages of Brits showing their strength and animosity went from to musket to all right, fuck you, freedom fries. But they never got to the freedom fries bit because they had local elections. So basically they were like, oh, we're about to go to war. But instead of that, have you seen what's going on with Dogecoin? <laughs> kind of, kind of. Does that answer your question, Brian? Uh, all right, let's get back to talking about some uh, America things. Uh, look at the great state of Texas leading the way with safe reopening. And by safe reopening, I mean a boxing match at AT&T Stadium here in DFW attended by 73,126 fans. Only 73,000? I know we could fit 100K in that stadium. So, um... It was the uh, the biggest sporting event in terms of attendance in the whole of America um, since the pandemic started. Uh, Jerry Jones said that he's expecting uh, full capacity at AT&T Stadium, which is where the Cowboys play um, when the, uh, the football season uh, kicks off. Uh, but uh, not only is it the biggest crowd since the pandemic in the States, it also set a U.S. boxing record for the largest indoor crowd. Um, so... Are we now like, we're fine, COVID's over, we've got the vaccine. I mean, I will say this, I was working at the, the news station over the weekend and this was one story, it was before the, the match, the, the boxing match happened about they were going to get 70,000 people in attendance. But then we were also running stories about the fact that in Texas now, 
there's more vaccine available than there is demand, right? right? So we're at a stage now where, I mean, I, um, I'm actually going for, uh, I'm calling it the one-shot blood clot. Uh, today. Oh, so um, you're, get, you're getting the Johnson and Johnson today. I am going in for the J&J because I'm oh. terrified of needles. Here's oh, my no, man. Watch out, folks. This podcast might just be me here in a few weeks. <laughs> Listen, the one shot blood clot, right? <laughs> eight million people got the Johnson and Johnson shot and eight people had blood clots. Hey, man, crapshoot. You take it. I forget what the odds were on, like, it, uh, if you inject anything, oh, hang on, I've got a knock at my door. We're going we go. to we're gonna have to pause this because this is the maintenance man who wants to fix my dishwasher. Hold that thought. Oh, here we are back again. Welcome back. It's a sign of success when you are uh, recording a podcast that's so successful, you do it from your kitchen table and occasionally you get interrupted by the maintenance man because your dishwasher isn't working properly. So yeah, I didn't. We didn't just stop recording because you know I started to fade away as a result of having had the one-shot blood clot, uh, <laughs> Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Hey, out, because I've not had that yet. I'm having that later today. So yeah, what was I saying? I was saying that um, uh, I went for the the J and J because I really don't like my second least favorite thing after dogs in terms of fear is needles. Right. Yeah. So. You know, you can come at me with this, all eight people out of eight million got blood clots. I'd still rather only have to go for the one shot rather than go for one and then six weeks later or whatever it is, get the top up. I uh, I like to make jokes that the Johnson & Johnson is the lesser vaccine and, you know, the Moderna and the Pfizer is the upper echelon. But in the end, like, who cares? As long as you're getting the vaccine, it's probably a good thing. Or it might not be. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> but <laughs> I, uh, the one thing is, is that's now that there's multiple options, it's created the single most annoying question that people feel the need to ask when having a conversation for the first time with someone out of quarantine. And that's, which vaccine did you get? Who cares? Why is everyone so interested in what vaccine the other person is getting? They want to know because all of a sudden one day there's going to be like a, hey, if you took the Pfizer, this happened. Everyone just wants the scarlet letter these motherfuckers have it right there on their card. I, my reaction to that would be, what fucking medical knowledge have you got to judge me on what one? I no, mean, I think my, my, re my reason is about as sound as a reason you're going to get from anyone who's not a doctor. I don't like needles. I went for the one that, that's a, you know, one-shot blood clot. I feel dumb because I went and got it too soon. Now they're starting to tell people like, hey, if you go to a baseball game, we'll give you the shot here and give you a free ticket to another game. Or for in some cases, they're paying people to get the vaccine. I want to be paid to get the vaccine. You were disappointed that you had no after effects as well, weren't you? you no, were... I was pumped on that because that meant that I was a physical specimen. Oh. Yes. Now, everyone always tells me like, oh, like, no, it actually means your body's working if you have the effects. Bullshit. That's what they tell the people that are nut jobs who think that the them getting sick means the vaccine is killing them. Well, I will, I will, I will say this. Uh, I think we should uh, commend uh, Biden for the job that he's done with the rollout of the vaccine because you compare this with Shitsville. I was FaceTiming my sister over the weekend. Um, she was trying to get signed up for the vaccine. So here in the great state of Texas, anyone who's 16 or over can go get a vaccine, right? Right. And we get to choose. I mean, I, I actually, uh, so we're recording this on Monday afternoon. What is it? May 10th today. Yes. So I don't have 
work tomorrow just in case i have any adverse effects i was strategically gonna book one shot blood clot um for monday afternoon knowing that i didn't have to do anything on tuesday just in case I, i've got any side effects so i went online uh trying to plan ahead to get the vaccine i think last tuesday or wednesday thinking that i needed to plan that far in advance i could have chosen any of the three vaccines that were available within a two mile radius of where I lived. And I could have got the shot that afternoon. Like that's how available yeah. it is in the great state of Texas. Um, you compare that with the experience my sister's having in Shitsville. They've still got restrictions on who and can, who can and can't get the vaccine. She was in a group where she was allowed to get it. So she basically uh, arranged an appointment about a week ago. And then a couple of days before the appointment, they emailed her and said that because of a change or they didn't have enough or something, she now couldn't get it on that day and she'd have to re-enroll to get the vaccine. And in Shitsville, you don't get a choice. It's like fucking lucky dip. You you sign up for the you sign up, say, I want a vaccine, right? This is such a British thing. When you get to wherever you go to get the vaccine, you get what you're given. What? Yeah, and of course they don't have an option that's a one-shot blood clot. They, uh, they every all of their options are two, two times. I mean, that is the most american thing ever we couldn't handle two we're like we're gonna need one with one i think though what the issue is in england and also places like india which is having a real hard time with covid right oh, now. terrible they're yeah. burning bodies did you hear right, that yeah. like they can't keep up with the amount of people that are dying well clearly what they need to have is a boxing match with seventy thousand people in attendance because it's working out pretty well for us i'm just saying if we happen to throw an event like that in india who's to say it's gonna make things worse <laughs> i don't know either. you know for all the people who moan about how terrible America is, just look at what India is having to do yeah. in terms of dealing with COVID, right? And it's that right. will make you happy to be an American, Woo. everybody. Yeah, so um, again, well done, Texas. 70,000 people in the stadium. And they, I mean... I almost went. Did you? Yeah, one well, of my friends offered me tickets, but it was... Uh... Yeah, and you said, no, 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 I'm more into midget wrestling. I, <laughs> exactly. I, I, if well, it... no, I, I love a good boxing match, but the thing is, is he was offering me $60 tickets, which he purchased, and normally, you know, I'm not a snob. I'm okay with nosebleeds. You get nosebleeds at AT&T Stadium, you're literally in a whole nother atmosphere. Right. It's way too big for that. Yeah. I did also, though, I, you know, I didn't watch the fight live. I want to get highlights afterwards. So, you know, I went to Twitter, hashtag Canelo Saunders, and uh, as opposed to seeing videos of the fights, I saw videos of fights, but it was fights going on in the stand. <laughs> and it was happening. Not only that, there was videos of people smoking weed in AT&T Stadium during the fight. It was a full-on party. I regretted not going. I, I've heard this. I've never been to an actual boxing match. I've got, gone to loads of watch parties and stuff like that for, 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 for boxing. But I've heard that the crowds can be the roughest. Yeah. Like, in like there will we'll be... We'll have to ease you into that. You start with mid wrestling you go to ufc <laughs> go to like a dodgers baseball game and then finally but actual actual boxing the undercard often happens in the seats oh, right yeah. <laughs> that's what i got all the highlights on twitter for so yeah and, and also in texas it's not only this i mean this set the records because it was over seventy thousand people but i mean rangers have been playing home games for what for five weeks now four or five weeks and they've had that what forty thousand people yeah we're actually playing decent this last these last few weeks too so we might actually get more fans in the stadium. Right, yeah. So it's all going good. And you know what? 
Jeremy always looks a little bit uncomfortable when he thinks I'm about to be political. Oh, God, no. Grab hold of something firm. Oh, I got to get my cancel button. <laughs> Every time I was saying to, uh, you know, my more liberal friends, well, look, the vaccine's out there. Texas is open for business. If you want to wear a mask, you can. They've got rid of the mask mandate. We need to get the businesses open. I'm all for it. And all of my liberal friends on the coast were like, oh, give it two weeks. Give it two weeks. Well, I think you'll find it's been like five or six weeks now and we've had all of these sporting events, but because we timed it up right with you don't need to do this anymore because we've got the vaccine. And as I said, we've got more vaccine than there is demand. No spikes in COVID. I just happened to grow some horns. So was it actually Neanderthal thinking? <laughs> I don't think so. See, you even backed me up. No, I, I thought I was going to say something. No, I agree with some <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I've said it from the start. There's just so much we don't know. Everyone's expecting to have the answer. I'm in the boat of just like, hey, let's try this. Right, 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 right. Right now, but, this is working. But, and, you know, maybe it was rolling the dice. But you can't say that Texas isn't setting a great example because you need those businesses open and we've got it all open and we're having these big crowds. But because of the availability of the vaccine and the people that have got it, it's not being an issue, right? We're based 70,000 people. Multiple nights of 40,000 people watching Rangers and no huge COVID spikes as much as the liberals on the coast were going, watch it spike, watch it spike, watch it spike. I just We're wanna, happy with our outdoor dining. I just want to get drunk at sporting events, man. <laughs> Fight some people on the stands. It did make me think, I went out yesterday, uh, yesterday afternoon and evening to uh, a, a buzz bruise and um, I completely forgot to take my mask with me. And... Uh, so we got in there and they didn't say anything and we're sitting at a table and uh, suddenly I thought to myself, oh, should I go back and get it? And then I thought, you know what? Fuck it. There's me and my buddy. There's about two other customers that are sitting in the other corner and one server. And last night there were 73,000 people at AT&T Stadium. Like, I don't know. And I'm all up for the, you know... Um, the, the the regime that's been and I'm, with with the masks where you know you put the mask on to go into the restaurant and then you put it on if you're going to go from your seat to the bathroom and back again but you it's sit fine. with it you know but I was like no I'm not going and it's like I live five minutes from the buzz brews but I was like I'm not going to go I'm not going to walk back five minutes just to get a mask in this setting where everyone's distant just because I might need to get up to piss at one point when there were 73,000 people watching a boxing match and apparently now I've learned fighting in the stands <laughs> at AT&T Stadium the last night the worst part is is that like you're not every restaurant or bar or wherever you go have the same rules and like not all the times the rule is up on the window so like right. general rule for me is whenever I walk into a new place like I, I go ahead and I have the mask on it's not no that I, big do, deal, I do I do but, as well but the most awkward part is when you first walk in and you notice nobody else <laughs> has the mask on and then you have to take it off like I'm not being the one douchebag with a mask well on. you, know, you know what I did uh, to be respect and by the way this isn't me at all being anti-mask I was all about wear the mask when you need to and all that kind of stuff I'm just saying that it seemed ridiculous for me to walk home five minutes walk back again to get a mask in that, si sure. in that situation but you know what I did do to be respectful when I when I when I needed to pee in the buzz brews I took the napkin that they wrapped the knife and fork in and, and put it over my mouth and it wasn't until I was walking across the floor to the bathroom I suddenly realized this makes me look like I'm about to throw up <laughs> like with the, <laughs> the napkin like attached right, to the front right. of my mouth going to the bathroom I'm like so the, 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 the service probably thinking you're setting a really bad example for our food right now <laughs> what I like to do is I do the old school soccer celebration where I take the end of my shirt and flip it over my head and run around with my 
my hands up. And then they're like, we don't care what you're doing, sir, leave the restaurant. <laughs> Uh, other uh, America news: The Kentucky Derby winner may have cheated. Wow! Now I feel like I was actually—I uh, become somewhat of an expert um, in this because my buddy, who I was out with yesterday, and he'll admit this is a this is a brand new thing. He's become obsessed with racing in the last five weeks. I mean, it's become a total obsession. So he, I, I don't know, he gets into things for a minute, and but when he's into them, he's totally into them. Right. He would have never have mentioned the Kentucky Derby to me ever until about late March when he decided he was interested in it and then maintained that interest leading up to it to the actual event. After the Kentucky Derby, he's now so into racing. He was seriously yesterday telling me that he wants to go to f to Alaska for some sledding thing with <laughs> oh, so dogs. It's not just horse racing. No, 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 Any no. It's like racing. racing. He was like, "Oh, I can't get, I can't, can't get enough racing," and. In his mind, the fact that there are now cheating allegations, this means because this 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 like obsession will pass. But I think he thinks he's getting better value out of his obsession because this There's has become a, a story, right? Now. Well, hold on. I want to let's tread lightly here with the cheating allegations because the man accused of cheating, Bob Baffert, one of the prides of the University of Arizona, and I will not have his name be tarnished on this podcast. Okay, so you'll have to tell me about him because I don't have that knowledge. So the winner at the moment, Medina Spirit, has tested positive for a steroid, and he'll be stripped of his victory if he fails a second test. So then they just declare the runner-up, the winner. Right. So your Arizona State guy... Whoa, whoa, whoa. University of Arizona, oh, okay. sir. He is no sun devil. He has a little bit of class God, I'm, I'm saying all the wrong. And to think I thought the most controversial thing I was going to say today was that thing about Neanderthal thinking. <laughs> okay, over to you for some, for some AZ schooling. All right, so Bob Baffert is one of the most iconic trainers in horse racing history. He, with Medina Spirits, when he won the Kentucky Derby for a record seventh time, <clears throat> like I said, went to the University of Arizona. And because of that, I have won a lot of money over the years betting on Bob Baffert horses. Now, I know nothing about horse racing. But you know he's got the best steroids. I know he has the best steroids. <laughs> Hold on, sir. Hold on. I, you know, the, the funny thing is, is when he, they had him on ESPN yesterday doing an interview, and he was like, you know who I really feel bad for is the horse. The horse has no idea what's going on. You feel bad because this is about to cost you millions. Yeah, the ho the horse <laughs> felt strong as hell. I uh, I definitely just I don't understand uh, horse racing gambling on it. It's the definition of degenerate gamblers when you're into that. When you're going to like the track or the OTB, you know you have a serious. It's so hard to gamble. There's so many different things you bet on with. Basketball, football, you're basically judging it off the scores and the stats. Can I raise a contrary Go point? For it. If you say that about horse racing, surely that isn't the base level of degenerate gambling. Surely that would be dog racing. Oh, you know what? You are correct, sir. <laughs> yeah. If, because at that point, like, you have to go to real, like, off the track style gambling, you know, there's not a ton of dog tracks around the country. Well, anymore. see, I have a, I know about dog racing because uh, in Shitsville, I'm from a part of Essex called Romford, and guess what? Romford has a dog track. Oh, of course, you know what? That explains so much about you. <laughs> but carry on. Well, basically, what I want to say is, you know, sure, 
he might have been a cheater. And sure, he has the Arizona tag. But like anyone from Arizona, I can assure you, Bob Baffert didn't cheat when he drugged that horse up. <laughs> Sean Miller didn't cheat when he paid all those college basketball players. I sure as hell didn't cheat at my brief stint at the University of Arizona. My grades absolutely reflected it. <laughs> so I can assure you, there was no cheating scandal here, and the man's name will be clear. It's um, How would you feel if you were... Um Mandaloon, who came in second, that could by proxy be declared the winner. It's a bit of a crap way to win, right? Well, I can't tell you how the horse is going to feel because, again, the horse has no idea what's <laughs> going on. I can tell you how I would feel if I had bet on Mandaloon to win, and I'd be ecstatic because now, a week later, there'd be a chance that I'd get a win. Yeah, I, I've never, I guess this has happened in the past, but I've never followed this how it plays out in the sporting world I guess because then if you're a bookie and like the shifting of money and all that kind of stuff like the implication of uh, there's millions oh, in it yeah, right no, this is going to affect the gambling world I mean for me the if I had made this bet and there was uh all of a sudden this news broke, I would be cashing my money out immediately so they couldn't ask right. for it back or just take it out of the account automatically. Right, right, right. right. I mean, your your buddy, the bookie that works out of a phone box in the downtown Hooker Hotel in Dallas, like he might be seriously out of pocket as a result of my this. My kneecaps would be screwed. <laughs> I, it's, I just feel like that whole world, and I, you know, I like a bit of gambling and I like, you know, watching racing on the TV and stuff like that, but... The potential for it to be so corrupt, um, you know, I, uh, I've done some, put it this way, I've done some business with people um, who uh, have been great to do business with and are completely outside of the sporting world, but they're rich people who right. made their big, and I mean big money, from horse racing. And I, I, I earned money from them. We did good business. It was, but I always used to think, you got this from horse racing. How fucking corrupt are you? Without any evidence whatsoever, it was just like... An, I mean, He was clearly drugging uh, those horses. When I read this story, I just go like, well, is the most... The, 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 the stupid thing here and the most surprising thing is you got coal. Is that the thing, right? right yeah. Really? <laughs> well, now he, you know, he has a reputation to hold up. So, you know, it's now not just, hey, your horse got caught at the biggest race, but, you know, it's what happened with those other set six championships. Right. You know, so. Yeah, we'll see. All right, talking of races, let's do a Song of the Week update. Last week, Jeremy chose Nobles by The Alchemist featuring Earl Sweatshirt and Navy Blue. That got 18% of the vote. Hey. My choice, Choker by 21 Pilots, 32% of the vote. A New York producer wins the previous Song of the Week by choosing Oblivion by Royal Blood. That's 50% of the vote. Uh, thank you if you took the time to vote on our website, didyouamerica.com, or if you jumped on the poll, which was uh, on my Twitter. Uh, when we get into part two, I will tell you about the three new songs you can vote for in the new Song of the Week at Did You America. Okay, let's do part two of Did You America, season two, episode... Orange? Uh, Jeremy and Ian Camfield hanging out here. If you want to hear old episodes or contact the show, go to didyouamerica.com. You can also buy one of our lovely t-shirts there and vote for Song of the Week. Plus, I'll get a poll on my Twitter, at Ian Camfield. Uh, we choose uh, three songs for the week. Jeremy chooses one, I choose one. New York producer, who you never hear, but he works on the technical side of this show, uh, chooses a song. 
and you get to vote across the next seven days. So here are your three new choices uh, for Song of the Week this week. New York producer has gone with Seeds by York Law. Uh, one of my favorite rappers, J. Cole, putting out a new album this week, but he gave a little teaser beforehand. So my Song of the Week is going to be his new song, Interlude. And I'm going with uh, Hollywood Sucks by Kenny Hoopla and Travis Barker. All right. So Hollywood Sucks by Kenny Hoopla and Travis Barker. Interlude by J. Cole or Seeds by York Law. Uh, give us a vote at digiamerica.com or have a look at the poll on my Twitter where I am at Ian Camfield. Breaking news. Elton John wants to never play Crocodile Rock ever again. What? This is unacceptable. <laughs> Drop your song. Well, uh, to be fair to Elton... Um, he said that he wants to throw a party when he never has to play Crocodile Rock again because it's a song that obviously he wrote but he now doesn't like. However, I will uh, commend him by under, by saying that he understands that a lot of his fans love that song. And he's on one of those what seems like it's a never-ending farewell tour. I, I think he's planning on going around the world three times doing a greatest hit show and then after that he's probably going to you know release new music as and when and play gigs as and when but he's not going to do you know the full on touring because he's about 105 years okay, old or die he might die all right you didn't have to throw that out there i'm just saying so in the meantime because he's doing the farewell tour and he says he's going to play the hits he is playing the hits and he's saying that he understands fans love crocodile rock so he still plays it but he absolutely can't stand it so first of all um we should commend elton john for being an artist who goes i can't stand that fucking song i wrote but i'm gonna play it because people pay money to see me play it and they like to sing along because certain artists deliberately starve their fans of the hits because they don't care about the fan who's paid 150 bucks for a concert ticket. They're bored of playing it, so therefore you don't get it. See, that's why I like Billy Joel. Now, obviously, we've talked in this podcast before. I'm Jewish, and as a Jew, you're it's ingrained in you to love Billy Joel. It's just, it's in our blood. It's the law. But the other reason I love Billy Joel is because he knows. He may not be interested in his hits anymore. He is interested in classical music. But when was the last time the guy put out a record of new music? It's been years because he knows no one cares about that. They just want the hits. I'm kind of um, selfish in so much as if it's a band that I love and they decide that they don't want to play the hits. I like it because I love that band, so I love almost everything they do, and I'll have seen them a bunch of times, so if they play other stuff, I quite like it, but then there'll be a more casual fan that's bought a ticket because they know the big songs, and then they get pissed off that they don't get the big songs. So, for example, like about 10 or so years ago, Iron Maiden released an album, this album, by the way, 72 minutes long, 10 songs. Lots of 10-minute songs. There you go. Yeah. And they went, you know what? We think we've peaked with album 14. We're going to go out and play the album in its entirety oh. on this tour. <laughs> so you're going to get an Iron Maiden play for about an hour, 45 minutes. 
75 minutes of that show is going to be the entire new album because which band don't release their best material on their 14th studio album? Of course, that's when they finally hit their stride. (laughs) And then we're going to come back and do an encore of a few songs that won't include Run to the Hills and then we're going to fuck off. Oh, so they didn't even play Run to the Hills. No, and quite quite often they don't play Run to the Hills. That's crazy. That was probably the, the most ballsy they'd been. I mean, there's a lot of tours where you don't get key songs to do a tour where you didn't get certain key songs but you did get 75 minutes of a new album album 14 but of course i was like yeah matter of life and death i love every 10 minute song on that album hit me with it one more time i get that iron maiden was bigger than this but them choosing not to play run to the hills at any show is literally like the baja men showing up somewhere and be like you guys wanted to hear who let the dogs out that's crazy (laughs) so as i said I'm, i'm kind of selfish with it because you know if you bought tickets for that particular iron maiden tour and we're expecting to hear, you know, the big songs, but you got all of album number 14, you would have been quite pissed off. Whereas I was all about album number 14. And, you know, the next time I go see them and they play more hits and, and that would be absolutely fine. But with Elton John, you know, because Elton John's got a, a billion different albums. Right. He has been, you know, he's carried on releasing new music, um, you know, uh, consistently throughout his career. So, but I do think, again, you know, Elton John's making the right call because he's, you know, he's marketing this tour as the farewell tour and playing the hits. It's called the Grand Piano or, right. or, or something. The other thing I would say about Elton John is, um, you know, if you are going to the show, be grateful that you are getting the full-on Elton John extravaganza with the full band and all the pizzazz around him. Because I, I saw, he played a, a show I went to in Vegas a few years ago. Um, it was like a, a, a festival event in Vegas. So it was... 20, 30 minutes of Elton John. I was very entertained by it as a Vegas spectacle. Yeah. Um, but my last live memory of Elton John was when he did that. Um, do you remember when the pandemic first happened and they did that the together, at together at home? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where they got very big artists to basically all be on Zoom, but because they were all at home, it was like a scaled down version. And Elton, just Elton and a piano. <laughs> I'm doing I'm Still Standing, by the way, right? Oh, I can tell. This is what it's... Well, could you? This is what it sounds like. I mean, I literally... I remember watching that and going, has he forgotten to put his teeth in? Like, that's <laughs> what, like... It's... Oh my god, it was terrible! And I, and I, but again, you put the Vegas pizzazz around in like you. Can, and I didn't know whether he was having an off day or whether I thought like Elton at one hundred and five. Maybe this is what Elton sounds like. But when you've got everything around him, you just don't notice. See, you were focused on the music during that show. I was focused on the fact that he was playing in front of a basketball hoop that was clearly purchased for that event. <laughs> well, everyone's got to look after their backdrop, right? right? He's like, I, oh, I'm going to seem sporty with this well, one. Well, I tell you, like you don't, you want the full show you don't want elton stripped i think i would have preferred elton physically stripped than actually stripped down musically <laughs> no, with, 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 with i uh <laughs> the thing with elton is you know with this going back to the crocodile rock thing real quick um you know i feel like he could very easily get through a two-hour show playing nothing but hits and not having to play crocodile rock right if i went to an elton john concert i feel like i wouldn't be disappointed if i didn't hear crocodile rock i also have like a weird 
relationship with that song. So when I was in sixth grade, this might come as a surprise to you, but even as a little kid, I was a lazy fuck. So, you know, in sixth grade, when you go to middle school in Texas, you have to choose between taking band, choir, or orchestra. And they said, what, do one of the three. They said, what do you want to be? And you said, Fat Walter Becker. Exactly. Well, the thing is, is I didn't want to do band or orchestra because that required homework of you practicing your instrument. So I said, let me do choir. I will lip sync for a year and get a passing grade, right. which I did. But during one of our concerts, one of the songs that we sang was Crocodile Rock. And I shit you not, since that day in sixth grade, that song has just been buried into my head to the point now where I kind of like it because it's constantly playing on a loop in my head. And maybe if I heard it by the man himself live, it would finally get out of my head forever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I got no issue with Crocodile Rock. As I said, I think Elton's doing all the right things, primarily keeping a huge band around him so he can be buried in the mix. Although, having said this, and I'm, I'm about to say something quite unkind about a singer that I actually re I mean Elton John I think he's a great artist I can I give or take Elton John but I'm about to say something that's not too kind about Brian Johnson whom oh, is someone I adore I just put away my cancel button man <laughs> so in defense of Elton's Elton when did you get here um in defense of uh that pretty terrible together at home show. I was on text yesterday with my buddy Chris, who's uh, in bands and produces bands and stuff like that. He's so he's you know he's got some degree of musical pedigree, because there was the big um, vaccination show. I can't remember what it was Vax called. Live or right. something. Foo Fighters did it. It streamed over over the weekend. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and Foo Fighters brought out Brian Johnson to sing Back in Black as part of it. And me and my buddy, Chris, were both texting one another yesterday because we're huge ACDC fans and we're watching it. And uh, I said to um, Chris, oh, I think Brian could have warmed up a bit more before because he just wasn't like... And then Brian Johnson, if you don't know the backstory, hasn't done... He didn't finish ACDC's last tour because he had hearing right, problems right. And, the, and the doctors... But he's supposedly back now. Right. The doctors said, if you carry on, you're, you might actually permanently go deaf. But in the interim period, he's got some kind of... Um, earpiece that fixed his hearing. I don't know. He went to some amazing hearing doctor. Right. And they gave him the kit that allows him to go on stage and be in loud environments um, and sing again. Uh, but if you watch that footage of him with the Foo Fighters, the benefit of the doubt would be, well, maybe he can't hear himself because it was just... A, but also, but, 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 but what my buddy Chris was saying was that... Um, if you're a singer, it doesn't matter how good or bad you are and how used to singing you are. If you just have to go into a situation cold where you haven't been on tour or you're not doing a full show and whatever it is, if it's one of those just show up and be a guest singer for a song, even the greatest singers in the world hate doing that because they haven't had the warm up and all that kind of stuff. So even if they are still in good voice and they could potentially go out and do, you know, a whole world tour because their voice is still there, doing it just coming 
going on stage and turning it on. You die. And, and there was some, there might be some credence to that because if you watch Brian Johnson with Foo Fighters towards the end of Back in Black, he actually sounds more like you would expect Brian Johnson yeah. to be singing Back in Black. But at the start of it, I was a bit like, uh, and it kind of made me feel maybe I shouldn't be so harsh on L. I mean, it wasn't anywhere near as bad as L, right? He wasn't on stage like going, <laughs> I mean, Elton John does sound like someone who's deaf on right. that, on that, you know. I think at this point, you should just Who's be- the deaf person? Someone actually, Huey Lewis. Now, if Huey oh, Lewis got up and started going, <laughs> Isn't he deaf? I thought that he had something that he just couldn't perform anymore. No, because he said he went deaf. Oh, okay. Well, he might have always been deaf. Anyways. No, 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 because <laughs> now it would be like, you go, <laughs> And people go, is that Huey Lewis or is that Elton John? I just feel like you're One's deaf, one can't sing anymore. You're expecting Where's Brian Johnson, Johnson in the Brian mix of Johnson this? Johnson at this point, because, uh, you know, you would think he should just be lucky enough to remember the words. I've seen multiple times where he'll be on, like, being interviewed, like, hey, why don't you bust into Highway to Hell? He's like, I can't do that right now. <laughs> but that's the point my buddy Chris was making. He can still do it, but you just can't. You just can't do it at the drop of a hat. Like right. they, they need. He needs like a month of preparation. They need. They they might need some type of warming up. So, and again, this is going to be me just siding with Brian Johnson because I really, really like Brian Johnson and I love ACDC. Yeah. So I'm prepared to believe that Brian Johnson, with his new super duper six million dollar man hearing device, uh, can still do it. I don't know whether Elton John should ever be sitting by a piano just by himself. Like, So you're not going to the I, ACDC Elton John tour? I feel like Elton John, if he plugged in Brian Johnson's super duper $6 million man hearing device, would probably go, fuck me, do I sound like that now? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, while we're dealing with some music news, kind of music, I guess. I mean, you know, she gave uh, music a very uh, visual aspect. The sad news over the weekend that uh, Tawny Katane passed away on uh, Friday morning. And boners went down with her. <laughs> you know, I mentioned, I've mentioned on this podcast a few times of different things from the 90s, early 2000s that gave me my first What boner. was the first boner we spoke about it the other week? The Janet Jackson titty was oh, definitely yeah, 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 up yeah, there. Yeah. But there's been a few other things that was that, an, that was an awakening argued, for right? you. It was definitely, but for the generation before me, it was the Here I Go Again video. Right, Tony Katane is... Uh, so she married David Coverdale for about five seconds. And... Um, is in the yeah, here I go again and is this love she's in those two I think there's like four actually white snake videos but those are the two biggest ones but I was reading in one of the obituaries that there were like a run of four straight videos that she was in right and right. she was also in a rat video uh, yeah because before David Coverdale she dated someone from rat I of think she's she she's actually on a rat album cover I mean she was upgrading to be fair I mean what white snake to rat White Snake, the rat have got round and round, and they couldn't even spell rat properly. It was with two T's. <laughs> White Snake was spelt properly. Right. And they had Here I Go Again, Is This Love, Still of the Night, right? They had mud slow and, and easy. With the singer, I mean, the hair was so big, you didn't know who was the girl in that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of time for, uh, for David Coverdale because. Um, if you know the history, White Snake were a reasonably successful kind of bluesy rock band in the 80s here and in the UK, but they never really broke it big. And David Coverdale was almost 40 uh, around the time that he was got in with Tony Katane and started making really? those videos. Yeah. 
because someone said to him, again, Brussels sprout syndrome, he got signed to a US record label and they basically said, look, you've got about a year or two left if you want to crack it before you get too old. And if you get your hair done and your face done and we give you a big budget and you redo, you know, some of those bluesy songs that were very good in the 80s, you're going to re-record them for America and put fuck loads of keyboards on them because it's the the late (laughs) 80s, right? Why does no one do that for me? And also, they also said to him, uh, by the way, you've probably got what it takes if we get your face done and your hair done, but the rest of Whitesnake, as was, ugly as as sin. So fire them, and we're going to give you a new band for MTV, which he did. And he moved to America, met Tawny Katane because she got cast to be in the video, ended up marrying Tawny Katane. Now, admittedly, that didn't go so well, but they were still married for, for, you know, for a few years. If that isn't another great example of Brussels sprout syndrome, right? He was waddling around in England with dark hair that wasn't that big and a face that was starting to sag and hits that were like getting into the top 30 of the singles charts. Suddenly, bam, he gets Brussels sprouted via the plastic surgeon and a fucking hairdresser with Tawny Katane vaulting about on on the hood of his car and then suddenly he's like you know david coverdale no wonder you were obsessed with coming to america as a kid i mean if you see that you think anything can truly happen i also well, right 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 i also like that um so they got divorced and they obviously that wasn't particularly amicable but then he was always um associated with Tawny Katane because right. she provided such a visual aspects of those videos. So the other thing I love about David Coverdale is that as he became more American visually, he became more British tonally because he realized that Americans love the accent. So right. he had this ridiculously like 1980s big hair couldn't be more American appearance. But he started speaking even more like this during the interviews. <laughs> Darling, let me tell you about the... Uh, my, uh, one, of my, one of my friends was his promotions person in Shitsville, right, in the, in the late 80s. Yeah. Coverdale moved to America, hooked up with Tawny Katane, went to the... Pl- I don't know if he actually went to a plastic surgeon, but I think it's probably quite likely. Got the surgery, right, became as big hair 1980s American rock as possible. And my buddy said he came back to the UK to do promo for the album that had Is This Love and Here I Go Again yeah. and everything on it. And he said um, he walks out and he's wearing this long leather jacket with tassels and a cowboy boot with a bandana tied around it. And my buddy had to drive him around in a 1987 Ford Orion. You can Google what one of those is to be like, <laughs> like the, the most shitty old 80s car you can imagine. <laughs> and David Coverdale's looking like he's walked out of a Western movie, right. but, with, but with huge hair. I'm probably going, this is why I left. Yeah. But, but, but then after... Um, after the the uh, not very amicable divorce, because he was always so associated with Tawny Katane, he used to in interviews refer to her as his hood ornament. <laughs> that's per. I mean, like not to bash Tawny Katane, but that's definitely what she became over the years. Like you know, obviously the video was iconic, so. Growing up, you videos, know, like, videos, videos. They basically made me. the same video to a Again, bunch of different right. songs, right? They're like, put this one in a car, put this one on a bed, it's fine. Just, just put her in something you can I see. I think through. they basically bought a car, but basically, this is how they cut costs for their video. He married her so she didn't have to be paid for the video. They bought one car and one bed and said, just, <laughs> just kind of cavort around those. And we'll just do it in your apartment, it's fine. <laughs> right, exactly. But for me, what I remember Tony Katane by is the numerous reality show appearances in the 
early 2000s. But because she became a bit of a casualty, yeah, right? Because exactly. I, I don't, I wasn't. Which you know I love because I love trashy reality TV. So I, I wasn't living in Shitsville at that point. So I'm aware that she was on Celebrity Rehab and The Surreal, Surreal Life. Life yeah. But I don't know how crazy she was. I mean, she wasn't like Janice Dickinson, but she definitely had her moments, you know? Mm. And I think uh, I think that's what I'll remember her by. That and the many a boners of the teens of the you 80s. only just missed out on a tawny boner. I, I mean, know I, I know, I'm I know, sure. Janet gave you your first one, but I'm doing the math here, and she was still cavorting about in Coverdale videos. I want to say 1989. Are you telling me that back then that was still too? Uh, you weren't no Look, man. If you're trying to challenge me, I'll pull up the Here I Go Again video <laughs> right now and get a boner. <laughs> Another great thing about Coverdale that you probably wouldn't want me saying, but again, I, this is like how things have had to move. He won't hear it. Uh, how things have had to move on in the uh, in the Me Too era. Uh, I've worked with a lot of people in American rock radio, uh, women who loved Coverdale. Right, I guess in the eighties and the early nineties. Uh, people with the, the American women were fawning over David Coverdale because he had that good looking big hair 80s yeah. rock look and he turned up and spoke like this and said by the way I've had to pay a fortune to the previous hood ornament I'm now taking auditions for a new one <laughs> would you like to compete in my auditions so um, someone I someone I worked with um, knew Coverdale only from she worked at the same radio station for a long period of time and he would come into that radio station like i don't know once a year or twice a year if he was promoting an album or a tour and part of his way of being charming and i don't know you certainly couldn't do it now and i'm sure he stopped doing it in the last few years and i'm not so sure you could do it back then but maybe he could because of the accent because this accent allows you to get away with everything right he would always remember this particular woman when he goes into the station and she would always be like, oh, you still remember me? And his standard response was, darling, I'd remember those tits anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you can't say that anymore? But apparently- Oh man, I'm in trouble. (laughs) This used to be his way of charming radio station to radio station. He'd just go in and- Oh, like he did it to multiple women. He was just like, look, they're gonna love that I love their tits. I might use that. And the best thing was, I went to a White Snake show about two years ago with said woman, right? And we had, uh, he's playing a casino, and we had uh, front row tickets, right? And at one point during the guitar solo, like the guitarist is over the other side of the stage doing his guitar solo and covered out like he's old, but he still he looks the same, like more craggy, right. but he's he's retained. Uh, the, doctors are incredible these days. I'm man. telling you, you can get a nip and a tuck for your nip and your tuck. Um, so he like wandered over to our side of the stage, right? And sort of like peruses the front row and just directly points at her tits. <laughs> 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 Literally. Those. I remember those anyway. Well, I think, like, so he knows he can't say it now, but he just kind yeah, of, like, you know. Oh, it's pointing to her belly button, officer. And she, and she was so proud. I said, well, I guess they're still looking good. That's how you get a flash. <laughs> Joke's on you. He was really pointing at you. He was like, I remember those anywhere. Those nuts. <laughs> I got them. Well, there was that time we were very intimate with one another. Um... 
So uh, I was still straight then. I thought it was tawny. Right. I'm like, damn, I've got David Coverdale instead. The, wrong one. <laughs> the hair was so big. The pants were so tight. I've got one other David Coverdale story before we finish. Um, one of my friends was producing him years ago. And again, this is all about him being big rock star, but incredibly British about something. They go into a studio. It's the newest studio that you can get, right? Right. Up-to-date equipment. And they told him, like, come in. We're get they were going to do some demos for a Whitesnake album or something. And they've got him, like, the most expensive, newest on the market. Everyone says it's amazing microphone that's set up there. And it's all, like, set up waiting for King David to come in and, you know, do a run-through of Still of right. the Night or whatever. And he looks around and he goes, um, hmm. This looks like it's fit for a king. And he goes, one thing, I need a, and I don't know what it was, but he asked for like the oldest, most shittiest microphone that was still available that had been around for like 30 years. And he's in this like, you know, high tech fucking Star Trek. Yeah, spaceship. <laughs> and uh, so the, my buddy is the producer, goes on the talk back, goes, um, yeah, I, I can get you one of those, but we have got a setup with a, like, you know, a real spaceship, futuristic, like, this is Coverdale's response. Dear boy, I understand the tech. I don't want the old fucking thing plugged in. I just need it to hold. <laughs> <laughs> so that's his Rush Limbaugh gold microphone. <laughs> and then he went, by the way, I haven't seen much female action around you. Do you like brunettes or blondes? Because I've got my A to Z. <laughs> like, literally, like... Oh <laughs> Again, another thing that he probably doesn't do anymore. Uh, I don't know about that. You still hear stories of Snoop Dogg being like, I have to write a song. Bring in the bitches. <laughs> Certain people can pull it off. I think... Uh, Do you think Snoop Dogg pulls in one of his favorite ladies because he needs inspiration for a song and the, and the lady goes, oh, I haven't seen you in a couple of years. I can't believe you remember me. And he goes, I remember those tits anywhere. <laughs> he, he's more of a butt man. So he says, I remember that ass anywhere. But it still works. <laughs> okay. Um, did we America today? You know we did. I think so. If you want to talk to us, it's uh, didyouamerica.com. Leave us a message there. Um, you can also uh, vote for Song of the Week there. Vote for Song of the Week on my Twitter where I'm at Ian Camfield. And if you feel so inclined, you can purchase one of our lovely T-shirts. They are available at digiamerica.com. How lovely are the T-shirts, Jeremy? They feel so good on your nipples. They will make your tits look great. They might make <laughs> aging rock stars say, I'd recognize those tits in a Did You America T-shirt anywhere. Whitesnake Singer has seven of them. <laughs> <laughs> 